0: is from 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. By six o'clock in the evening on Good Friday, Jesus died. Something changed and changed radically. The theologian N.T. Wright wrote this, something happened with the actual world of space, time and matter, as a result of which everything is different. Now, during Lent this year, we'll explore the power of the cross, the power that radically changes us and seeks through us to change the world in which we live. This week, we talk about the power of the cross to reveal our true inheritance and rejoice with a joy that surpasses any and all of our trials and difficulties. Now, Peter wrote this letter to the church of Gentile and Jewish Christians spread out throughout the world, uh, particularly those who are in the middle of intense struggling to encourage them, to motivate them in their faith. Now, this is the inheritance that Peter is talking about. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the true resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you ever wish you could have a (laughs) do-over? Like, just start again. Like, start fresh. Like, somehow rewind the things that you've said or the things that you've done or even the things that you've thought. I grew up in in a video gaming culture where if you messed up, you could just hit... Restart. (laughs) But with our faith, that's exactly what we have, is we have the opportunity for a restart each and every day, that the Holy Spirit awakens our hearts to this ability to grab on to God's promises of salvation and hope and life and cling to them in the midst of the storms in our lives. Now, Peter calls the first effect of this rebirth, this new life, he calls it a living hope a hope that is certain and still not yet realized fully in our lives. But it is a hope that impacts our life today. It gives us hope today, not just hope that one day when Jesus comes back, He'll restore everything, put all the wrongs right, but it's also a hope that changes us today. It changes how we think, how we feel, how we live and move through this broken world. This living hope was very evident to me as I, as I journeyed to Honduras last weekend. Especially in the vibrancy in the properties and in the people of the church there. See, there the living hope brought about real changes that were clear to see. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a little bit. But how incredible it is to think about our inheritance that we have right now. Peter writes, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Imperishable. It's really difficult for me to get my mind wrapped around something that does not perish, right? Everything in this world, in this life, has an end. I have lifetime brakes on my car that I will have to replace. Right, everything, even things with a lifetime guarantee, will ultimately wear out or run out, perish, fade, and become defiled. Perishable makes me think of getting older, right? We spend a lot of our young life growing and, and aging and, and, and maturing, and then there's this point in time where all of a sudden we've stopped maturing and we start dying, <laughs> right? Things just start falling apart instead of getting bigger, they just fall apart. They break. They wear out. They give out. Now we can set resolutions to eat healthy or reduce or cut out drinking or quit smoking uh, and do all kinds of things. We We can exercise, moisturize, and get extra shut eyes, but still, ultimately, we are going to die. We give out. We wear out. We break down. In reality, this, this, uh, This perishing starts at the moment of our birth, probably even at conception, as God's Word says that we were born sinful. But our inheritance is imperishable. This grace that God gives us, this everlasting life that He gives to us, will not wear out. The resurrection bodies that He restores to us when He returns will never age, will never grow old, will never grow weak, will never die. See, the New Testament uses this word imperishable for only a few small number of things. It talks about God being imperishable, His Word is imperishable, and our resurrected bodies are imperishable. So this inheritance that we have is imperishable. It's also undefiled, now the world, our bodies, our minds, our lives, everything about us are presently defiled by the presence of sin. Uh, I loved the movie. It was a, it was a favorite of our, of our uh, college dorm area. Uh, it was a Wyatt Earp movie called Tombstone. Great quotes from this movie. Great quotes from this movie. In fact, I told my, my vicar this year that uh, who hasn't seen it, he has to see it in order to pass vicarage. He still has not watched the movie. I don't know what to do with this boy. But one of the great quotes was from Doc Holliday, who had some of the best quotes in the movie. Uh, Doc Holliday, who was in the process of dying from tuberculosis, who was constantly smoking, drinking, staying up late, doing all kinds of things to defile his body even further, he says this quote, I have not yet begun to defile myself. And isn't that exactly like us? Right? We have this genetic terminal disease of sin that will cause our death. And still, still like a dog returns to his vomit, we keep going back to those worldly experiences and sensations that defile us even further. But our inheritance is undefiled. This inheritance that we receive, this living hope, this new life that we receive in Jesus Christ is undefiled. That means it is pure, it is perfect, it is holy, it is total, it is complete. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a reality that is free from sin? Right? No more sickness or disease or death. No more depression or anxiety or fear or doubt. Can you imagine relationships that are free from sin? No more betrayal, no more pain, no more jealousy or comparisons. And we'll only have perfection, honor, respect, a perfect love for one another. and it's unfading. This inheritance that we receive from God is unfading. Think about the old pictures, the oldest pictures that you have in your house, probably in a photo album, preferably in a photo album, that are the first pictures that you have that are in color. They're not really color anymore, are they? They've kind of faded to a monochromatic, orangish-brownish hues. Or think back to the movie, Back to the Future, where Marty, the main character, has this family photograph and the people in that photograph slowly start to fade until they disappear. Or disappearing is, ultimately happens when things fade as they disappear. Our inheritance doesn't disappear. My college roommate, his name was Mark, uh, Mark had parents that were fairly well-to-do, at least Weller to do than mine. And his parents would come to visit, and we would go eat. I loved Mark's parents. <laughs> oh, because when we went out to eat, it wasn't to McDonald's. It wasn't even to Olive Garden. It was shoot the moon, whatever you want, let's go. And all bets were off, and all the food was in. It was so good. It was so good. Uh, but I remember one day, Mark was kind of brokenhearted, came dejected, looking into the classroom, into, the, into our dorm room. And I said, Mark was wrong. He's like, I have horrible news. I don't know what's. My parents just bought a boat. It's a huge boat. It's a beautiful boat. I'm like, I, I would never like be sad about that, Mark. He's like, they're spending my inheritance. <laughs> but with God, we have an inheritance that will never run out, it never goes dry. It never hits empty. It's always full in abundance. And in fact, if you share it generously and liberally with those around you, you have the same amount as when you started. Always full and complete, never fades. And then Peter says this. He says, it is kept in heaven for you it is kept. Now, this word kept means guard, protect. And and this happens in two ways, that Jesus guards and protects those who have faith from leaving him, and he guards and protects from the outside those who are his. And then I love this, is that he says it is kept for you. You see, up until this point, Peter has been talking about us, this thing that we have. And sometimes in the Christian church, I think we can be so general about God's grace and forgiveness that it is for the world that He gave His one and only Son, and that is true, and that is wonderful in its inclusiveness, but it becomes so general that we don't make it personal. And so Peter corrects that right here and right now, and he says, this has been kept for you, you. You. God's love is for you. His inheritance is for you. This living hope is for you. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, who you are. This gift is for you. And he makes it intimately personal. Now, this inheritance that is kept for you, it brings us joy, exceedingly great joy, and allows us to rejoice. Peter says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, if you've been grieved by these various troubles. He says these various troubles are going to happen in life. But we can still rejoice and have joy over and over and over again, even in the midst of those struggles. Because these various trials, they're a result of the brokenness of this world, and even our own brokenness. Paul in Romans 8 says that the present sufferings that we experience in our day-to-day lives today The mundane problems, the massive horrific problems, that these are temporary and they cannot compare with the glory that will be revealed to us in Christ Jesus. And so we can rejoice even in the midst of them because we know they end. We know that they will stop. We know that they are temporary. In the recovery world, there's this phrase, this too shall pass which is best learned and promised before the bad things happen, (laughs) right? So you hang on to it and you practice hanging on to it so that when the bad things come, you stay clinging to it and you trust and know that this bad thing will not last. It too will pass. It's temporary, momentary, fleeting. Even though it doesn't seem like it in the time, it will end. Unlike our inheritance, which is unfading and undefiled and imperishing. It stands in stark contrast, the suffering does, to the inheritance that we have. And to rejoice, this joy that happens over and over and over again. It washes over us, even the midst of our troubles of various kinds, Because we are complicated people capable of having complicated feelings and emotions and experiences. We can both grieve at the same time as we rejoice. That's exactly what happens every time we gather for a funeral. We grieve and mourn the loss of the person that we no longer have face-to-face presence with. But we rejoice in knowing who that person is with today. That they are with their Savior where there's no more crying or mourning or tears, and we rejoice that one day not only when Jesus comes back will we see Jesus face-to-face again, we will be in the face-to-face presence of our loved one again. But this death separation, even death, is temporary. This too shall pass. So we rejoice. Now, maybe if you are uh, on on social media, you see on a a fairly regular basis or from time to time the uh, the tagline hashtag blessed, right? And usually it's like this beautiful, beautiful post. Like, look at my amazing life. I have a drop dead, gorgeous wife. I have children. uh, I have children and children and children who are geniuses. They are athletic. They are advanced doctoral students. And we've just been on vacation. You've got to see the pics because we are going places you could never dream to go. And we're eating food that is so Instagram-worthy, it should be in an art display, hashtag blessed, which makes me want to vomit, because that's not life. That's not real. That's not normal. And that's not blessing. That's fortune. That's good stuff happening as if God can't bless you when life is horrible or difficult, which He can, and He does all the time. I think it would be more real to say, I'm really struggling. My health is failing. My relationships are broken. My job's dead end. I have more debt, and I've forgotten the word vacation. But my God is with me I have my daily bread today and I have the promise that tomorrow I'm going to have it again. I have the grace of God in my life and He has changed who I am from the inside out. Not only am I forgiven and set free and given a new life, I've been given a new meaning and new purpose for this life to help bring and establish the kingdom of God here. Hashtag rejoicing. That's this new life that we have in Christ. That we can rejoice despite our circumstances, in the midst of our circumstances, because of our reality in Christ today. Paul writes that we rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, joy is not dependent on where you live. If you live in central Florida or if you live in the poverty streets of Honduras, One of the churches that we visited, it was located in a really forsaken area of the city. If you look down the street this way or this way or this way, you would see just dull colors of gray concrete and brown dirt and and dust. There it is and hopelessness and despair everywhere. But if you turned around and you walked into the church, you saw spotless floors, you saw vibrant colors, you saw bountiful plants, you saw shining faces of people who were so excited to sing God's praises, to receive His Word, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to prayer and praise Him, and to to share with us the amazing things that God was doing in and through them they were rejoicing in amazing, amazing ways. You see, we have a joy in our inheritance that is undefiled, unperishing, and unfading. What brings you joy? I want you to think about that this week. What brings you joy? In what do you rejoice? I had a chance to ask several people this week that question and, and I received some amazing answers my own answer was I loved seeing what brought me joy this past week was seeing the lives the people the places in Honduras that were bringing the kingdom of God near and the joy that was in them brought me joy another individual shared that I spoke with that they really appreciated the preaching and the teaching that happens in this place because it roots them in their identity in Christ and that brings me that brings them joy another individual shared I love the love that I feel when I'm here. That brings me joy. Another gentleman reflected back on the, the men's retreat and experiencing joy at seeing a couple of guys serve tirelessly, cooking meals for everybody else brought them joy. Or chopping firewood to be able to keep everybody else warm because we had burned through it all already. That brought them joy. Or the conversations that got to a totally different, deeper level in their faith And their reality in life brought them joy. I talked to an elder, uh, one of the ones who helps distribute communion. And he said what really brings him joy is distributing communion because there he stands. Holding Jesus in his hands. Holding in his hands the Savior who's holding him in his hands. Brings him joy. And if you think about how do we encounter more of this joy, I go back to all of those different examples, and I can, I can fit all of those different examples into the, the idea of discipleship. Right? To live this transformed life of freedom that, that you identify with Christ. That is your source of identity, of purpose, of meaning, of value or this transformed life of joy where we gather together and worship and we celebrate and we pray and we praise God for all that he gives to us even in the midst of our worst sufferings or this transformed life of sacrifice where we so freely and generously pour out of ourselves what God has poured in or these sacrificial these lives of renewal where God transforms us with his gospel and makes us new And in order to to experience those things, in order to see God grow those things in you, the easiest way to do that is to come together for worship like you did this morning. Gather together and receive His Word, His sacraments. To spend time with spiritual formation with each other in one another's homes, in places away from here, gathering together and walking together in life, sharing life together and carrying your faith out into the community, making community connections with your faith, transforming other people with the transformation that's been shared with you. And when you do that, and the Holy Spirit grows in you, disciples more and more in the image of Jesus, the joy just abounds. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we praise you for the power of the cross that's revealed to us today in our inheritance that brings us exceedingly great joy regardless of our circumstances. Fill us with that joy this morning, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen. Now, here's the question I want you to spend some time digesting. As you go about your work week or your school week or spend time with your your family or your friends Digest and consider this question. How will others see your joy of being born again? How will others see your joy of being born again?